Hi, I'm Katie and welcome to my podcast, My Rare Disease. This is a platform where I raise awareness of something that affects 1 in 17 people, rare disease. By chatting to patients, health professionals and advocates, we talk about all aspects of rare disease, including relationships, mental health and much more. I cannot wait for you to hear some truly inspiring stories from some absolutely amazing people. The 7th of September is Youth Mental Health Awareness Day and I'm so lucky to have one of my friends Sophie chat to me about her rare disease and how much a rare disease can affect your mental health. In this episode we discuss grief that comes with illness, how your life can be completely changed when you become suddenly unwell and we share our views on statistics I've found on just how many people are affected by ill mental health. and welcome to the third episode of my podcast. Um, before I introduce today's guest, I'm going to talk a bit about the theme of today's episode, which is mental health, because today is Youth Mental Health Awareness Day. This is a day where young people are encouraged to share their positive messages with the hashtag #BounceNotBreak across social media platforms. This is all about resilience, and especially during this uncertain time, the ability to bounce back has never been greater. Bouncing back is also a quality you have to have if you have chronic illness. And Sophie is the definition of bouncing back and resilient. So welcome, Sophie. How are you? Thank you for having me and thank you for that introduction. I really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> um, before we go into like, the mental health side of things, would you mind yeah. telling everyone like, what your condition is and how you were diagnosed? Yes, yeah, so obviously I've got Lyme disease and... You know, I'm 26 now, but I wasn't diagnosed till I was 23. They think I was bitten back when I was 14, when I was out in China. Um, yeah, and it, it was just a long, long road to getting diagnosed. And, you know, I was called crazy. They told me I was just depressed. And, you know, when you know that you're not well, like, you know your body. Yeah. But it gets upsetting when, like, obviously medical circles are telling you that you're fine. So yeah. then you automatically doubt yourself and think you know is it me um am i am i going crazy so yeah it was a it's a long road and obviously i never really heard of lyme disease when i actually got diagnosed like i'll openly admit that um i just really really didn't know a lot and when my consultant sat in front of me and he was just like you're seriously poorly you know it's attacking your heart it's attacking all your organs i was just like well, I just, I just broke down. I broke down in tears because I'd had years of family and friends doubting me, the medical community doubting me, doubting myself. And I just didn't know. Like, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know how drastic it was. Definitely when, especially when you go to medical professionals and they're saying, oh, it's just, you're palming you off, like, it's either something else or it's yeah. nothing. And then someone sat in front of you and like, no, this is actually serious. And as you said, like attacking your organs. And yeah. importantly, that you probably kind of had it since you were 14, so nearly like 10 years until you were diagnosed. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, that was another like kind of hard hitting thing was obviously I've gone through years, like, you know, like you do, like of unknown fighting yeah. with the medical community them telling you that you're fine and then for someone to say like you're really really seriously ill and because it's been left untreated you know the damage is really really bad then you you, you kind of turn to anger and you feel guilty about turning to anger but you're just like you feel let down almost yeah. it's almost 
if you could have nipped it in the bud a little bit sooner, maybe I wouldn't have been in this situation I'm in now. Yeah, that that must be so hard. And you go say anger, but I suppose it's the it's the only emotion that you can kind of feel when you have so much like so many thoughts yeah. inside you, like you don't know like, how to process it. Um, yeah. What kind of symptoms did you experience either like before you were diagnosed and now like on a day to day basis? Yeah, so before I was diagnosed, when I was actually bitten, I thought it was just the food in China because we went out there to watch the Olympics and within oh, the wow. Olympic, it was just McDonald's. So for two weeks, we lived off McDonald's, which I absolutely <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but when you come out to real China, it is not like Chinese food where we are right now. Like it yeah. is completely different. It's not the same. And we'd had like two days of eating their food. So I just thought I'd picked up a, a fever because that's what the doctor told me. Yeah. He was just like, take two days of antibiotics, you'll be fine, you'll get the temperature down, fine. I seem to be okay. Mm -hmm. So I just put it down to being ill abroad. Yeah. It was only when I was 18, so it was like four years after, when I started with like water infections all the time, sore throats, food intolerances, migraines that I would literally not be able to move for like days on end. I used to have like really bad gut problems. And obviously it was around the time that everyone was turning 18, they were all going out drinking and I just couldn't do that. I just, I just wasn't well enough to do it. And that in itself, affected my mental health because I was just like I really want to be out enjoying life yeah. and something's not right here obviously doctors were just telling me I was depressed which okay to a certain extent I was probably I probably was because I was mm -hmm. grieving the loss of support yeah but I knew that was something else going on here and you know to the present day now I still have really really bad gut problems still suffer badly with migraines my kidneys are still not great I get really, really bad pain, like under my ribs because of my liver. That's get really bad, um, and I, I lose my voice so often. And it's just a day-to-day -day basis. It's just unpredictable symptoms. So you can wake up and you you're burning, you're hot and burning. Then you're like freezing and can't get warm. Then you're just like aching everywhere, and it's just like. You don't even know what's going to hit you that day. Yeah. You yeah. wake up and just deal with it. And it's just, that's quite scary. Yeah, and it, it is kind of the unknown because when you don't know what's going on, you don't have rational yeah. things to do. You automatically, everyone does it, think of the worst possible yes. situation. Um, so you touched on swimming a bit. So it kind of goes on to like the mental health focus. So yeah. can you tell everyone about your swimming career really and then like how you felt when you had to stop? Yeah, so like swimming was my life. I'd done it from a club level since I was eight years old. I just, whenever I was in the water, I was just a different person. Like I'm not a very confident person normally, but in the pool, like game on, like the, this was like, I was just like a mermaid. Like that was <laughs> you know, my vibe. Yeah. Um, and I just felt safe there. And I just dedicated my life to it. Like with any sport, you literally... You don't have other hobbies. You don't have other passions because when I was like 12 from, well, from when I was 12 to I was like 16, mm -hmm. I was training 24 hours in the pool a week and doing gym on top and doing school. I didn't have time for anything else. Yeah. So 
you know, it was my life. My dream was to go to London 2012. I managed to go to the European Youth Olympics when I was 13. And I managed to win a gold, silver and a bronze there. And, and that was everything. That, yeah. Like, you know, that was so special to me. Yeah. But again, even though, like, my mum always says this to me, she's like, Sophie, like, you know, you, you competed for your country, you broke yeah. the British record, like, you were up there, you were on world-class programme, you were on London 2012 programme. And I'm like, yeah, but I didn't reach my end goal. And she's like, but Sophie, like, you did this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, yeah, but I didn't reach that goal. And that's what I find really difficult. Yeah. Um, because, obviously, I, I had to retire um, two years before London 2012 because it got to the point where I just couldn't push my body anymore and my coach wasn't willing to push me any further because obviously if I did any more damage it would come back on them right. um so that was that was very enough and I I just had to call it a day and that was soul destroying I mean luckily at the time I was still 16 so I still was I was still in school mm -hmm. so I still had focus because I was in do my GCSEs so I could bury my head in the sand a little bit in work and in exams but it, it kind of hit me when you know college was over all of that when I was like 18 and I was just like now what am I going to do you know what what's what's my calling yeah and I think everyone has a hobby and as soon as that's taken away from you whether that was your injury for a short amount of time or like you said you had to retire that you kind yeah. of that was your normal kind of like now like that was your normal thing to do yeah 100% loved it's taken away but how obviously you said it was soul destroyed but like how do you think it affected your mental health day to day then or now I it well it just it just destroyed me but it, it did destroy me and I think I just I felt angry because I felt like the world was punishing me for something but I didn't know what I'd done wrong yeah I didn't know like I was I was thinking well you know I'm always a good person like you know I always put other people first like I, I love yeah. my friends I'm loyal I'm like what have I done wrong you know yeah. I never I played by the rules I never did anything wrong yeah. in school <laughs> I, everything and I think it all just like goes through your mind and you and I think what also got me is like around the same time and you probably were the same. You had friends that were going out partying, like drinking heavily, doing drugs, going down different routes. Yet they'd fall into careers that they dreamed of. They just seemed yeah. to land the job they wanted yeah. or they were able to like find someone that they loved and marry and, and have children. And you're just like, where, where did I go wrong? <laughs> it really does it really does mess with your your mind and I think that was one of the main things that kind of made me spiral but also I just I I lost all my confidence I think because as an athlete you are used to your body bouncing back mm -hmm. and when it doesn't you're used people are used to seeing you as a strong fit muscly person and it got to the point where, you know, my intolerances were getting worse. My symptoms were getting so bad that when people saw me, because I, I was like sort of isolating myself because I was embarrassed. Yeah. People would see me like two years down the line and be like, what the heck's happened to you? Mm. Your, your skin and bones, what what's going on? Um, and, you know, people are so harsh and they they don't like think before they speak. So... They'd be like, oh, you're skinny bones, you're too skinny. And it's just like, okay, I, I understand that. Yeah. But again, that's, that's so difficult. 
because again you you don't feel in control of what's going on in your body like health wise and then you don't feel in, in control of what you're like putting out on the outer shell and I found that very hard and I moved out of my family home because again I had family in me what I was what was happening with me mm-hmm. and I couldn't answer and I felt guilty for answering so I was like right I'll move out Mm-hmm. And I kind of used, I used my house in the completely wrong way to isolate and hibernate. So I would go out maybe like three times a week to work and I'd be Sophie, bubbly Sophie, people, the, the Sophie that people would remember. Yeah. But then behind closed doors, I'd be breaking down. Like I wouldn't be dealing with things very well. Anxiety was just going through the roof. I wasn't coping with my symptoms. I wasn't managing my symptoms but nobody could see that because I was hiding it because I was embarrassed. I didn't know what was going on with myself and I was blaming myself for what was going on in my body. And that, you know, mentally eats away at you and it's, it's just soul destroying and it, it doesn't do any good for you. No, it is. And you, you kind of touched on it there, like mental health, physical health interlink so much. And I Oh God. Yeah, and I don't, it can be like from a simple, like, oh, feeling stressed, oh, a headache, to making chronic illness symptoms worse. It, obviously, it depends person to person, but they really interlink. Yeah. I don't know about you, but w- when I've been to the hospital and things, I don't think anyone's asked about the mental health side of it. I think it's always just no. the, oh, you're Katie or you're Sophie, you have this condition. This is what, what we're going to do to treat or try and manage it. Yeah. I don't think there's any been anyone who said oh so how's it affecting you day to day or isn't that same with you yeah they just kind of see us like attention seeking and yeah. that like our emotions almost aren't valid and if you can't give you a pill then you're crazy you're you're yeah. thinking it up it's in your mind yeah and yeah. that's what really really annoyed and as we know both of our conditions they aren't textbook, you know, you can't read kind of about it. Every Everyone presents different symptoms. Everyone's going through something a bit different. And doctors need to realise that, that we all are unique. We can't all be put in a box through any, any illness, really. Yeah, definitely. So on the subject of, like, we're more than a condition, I'm going to read out some, like, mental health, mental health statistics I've found. And I thought it would be interesting for us to discuss them. Right, so the first yeah. one is, it's found on like the National Institute of Mental Health, that people with other chronic medical conditions have a high risk of depression. So let's think about the people that we know and like people that we yeah. know of. Do you think, I think that's a very true... Statement. Oh, 100%. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Where, where it says other, it said like heart conditions and... Sorry, so I think... Oh, right. I think there actually is research into like people with heart conditions. There is like higher yeah. risk potential, but yeah, that's what it means. Um, but definitely, I think yeah, hundred percent because it affects your whole life, whether you try and not let it or not. I mean, you know, where we become very good at hiding it, mm. dealing with it, getting on with our life, but we all have our days where we just feel overwhelmed, we feel defeated by it. And those are our bad mental health days, and it does yeah. get you down. And I think, like, you can, we we both said hiding it, and I think that's, I wouldn't say good, but, like, that's that might be helpful for you up to a point. 
yes. it's not saying oh being distracted is good up to a point it's all okay but in at a certain level like you can only be distracted yeah. or you can only like hide it for a certain extent otherwise you'll overthink it or as you said you'll get back to your house and you'll just break down because yes. you're to hide it for too long yes definitely uh, the next one is it is estimated that up to one third of individuals with a serious medical condition experience symptoms of depression. So that basically the same thing, but like a more statistics to it. So up to, yeah. up to a first of like one in three. So you know I, what? I think it more. Probably more. Yeah, I but think so. If we went up to people in the street who had a medical condition, I think nearly all yeah. of them say they've suffered with their mental health. That might not even do depression. It might be like stress, anxiety. I don't know but yeah way more than a third um yeah, yeah I, th I think you're like i'll say we're not like the next one but i think you'll get the next one um okay. right a, a mental health nurse um said online chronic illness is a full-time job that takes effort and a willingness to make changes to your daily life and routine yes <laughs> hundred and a, like a thousand a million percent I knew you'd be able to react to that. Yeah, I know. Well, it is though, isn't it? It is like a full-time job. And I think that sometimes very quick to say like, oh, what do you do? You, you know, you work from home. You're lazy. You've not done anything all day. It's just like, trade bodies with me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Trade bodies just to see how you're you like, exchange bodies and see what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You wanted to say what your, like, your job is. Yeah. Well. Uh, well, you see, like <laughs> I do do a little bit of everything, but yeah. um I I trained to be an independent travel agent, and this for me was something because you know travel is a big part of mine. Again, it's something that at the roots of my illness, it kind of saved me because I I did a trip to America with my parents, and I got to meet a lot of people. And through that, I started realising different cultures, realising that people have their own problems and how they coped with it. And that really helped educate me that I wasn't the only one that, you know, was suffering and has problems in their life. It wasn't, it kind of helped with the whole blame game because I was like, I was blaming myself, but everyone has problems. And that was a, like, it opened so many doors to me. And I just think, you know, through illness we're very isolated at home we don't get to really see life we often feel like we are watching life behind from a, behind a screen we're, we're watching everybody else live it yeah. and for me to get people beyond their front door and, and seeing life seeing the different cultures speaking to other people learning and just seeing the world and that for me is traveling so that's kind of what I've trained in. I wanted to just sort of specialise in cruising as well, purely for the fact that they're very accommodating when it comes to chronic illnesses. Mm -hmm. And you can see a number of places on one trip, yeah. which is amazing because we know the, the amount of stress and upset and anxiety it causes going, you know, to different airports and having to pack repack get on a train carry the luggage if you can just get on one ship yeah and put your luggage is on there it makes everything so much easier yeah the rest so of the 
yeah, I wanted to make it so much easier for the, you know, the person suffering with the chronic illness, but also the families, because I've seen it firsthand when we go away and my my mum's stressing because we can't find food that I can eat or the hotel isn't accommodating or there's too many steps and we've got the wheelchair and all of that. And it, you know, it, it saps the whole fun factor for them as well. Yeah. So I really wanted to be able to train in something that I could accommodate everybody and make everybody's life a little bit easier and more enjoyable because yeah. we still deserve to enjoy life as well. It's all about, I think it kind of, yeah, goes well with the mental health side. Like It's all about quality of life, not just like living. Yes. Life. But I'm sure yeah. a lot of people with holidays like I think I think yeah. on the tin it might just mean like help you with the holidays but actually it can mean like a lot of memories for people can't it so oh 100 uh, that's another thing like I think it's so important for us like we we realize because we're very very grateful when you become very very poorly in the back of our minds we kind of know it's a bit of a ticking bomb like you know about to go off you don't know when it's going to go off but it's in the back of your head always and you just you want to just live in the moment now and really be like cherishing it because you don't know t- what tomorrow bring we wake up and it's unpredictable symptoms so you like we could have planned this um podcast today but I could have woken up and just been in a head spin and not been able to talk or lost my voice we just don't know and that's what makes it very difficult so I'm always very much about you know capturing memories making memories doing what you can right now and really really appreciating it well hopefully you could hopefully like things will pick up soon but yeah I know who knows what advice would you give someone struggling with their mental health it can either be like with chronic illness or without whichever um I think my my first thing is just to reach out to someone and talk to someone you may feel embarrassed you may feel anxious about doing so but my my mum always told me from like even when like I was being bullied at school she was like a problem shared is a problem halved and it's so true like like she would I'd come home and I'd be crying and she'd literally sit on my bed and be like, right, I'm not moving until you tell me. <laughs> but it's what I needed. And sometimes mm-hmm. like that, that's kind of taught me now that if I've got an issue, like I just need to go and tell her or tell a friend mm-hmm. and I feel better about it because they see it from an outside perspective as well. Yeah. So they could break down and be like, look, this is what, you, you know, you're overcomplicating it in yeah. your mind. This is happening. Or they can say, actually, I can see that you're struggling. I can help you with that Definitely. and take a load off. Just, yes, just sometimes kind of someone impartial to talk to is something yeah. what you need. But, um, so one of the last things before we go into like your favourite quote, um, I thought I'd say a bit about Invisiate because I put like as the topic how connecting with others with chronic illness helps like, it's like me and chat to each other. But so basically me and Sophie met through Invisiude and it's a charity that provides young people with tools to help manage their chronic illness. So I just wanted to get your view on like how how much you value talking to others, whether it's through like face to face or like social media, other people with chronic illness. It's it's a lifeline. 
I think we we can all say that it's it's literally a lifeline because chronic illness is very isolating. A lot of us are pretty much housebound or spend a lot of our time alone. We've lost probably a lot of our friends through childhood friends because you know they've gone on to live life, move away, all of that. That sometimes we do feel alone and we feel like we're battling completely just yeah on our own and just having those people that are also going they might have different illnesses Mm. but they're going through the same kind of problems you are in your life so maybe they've lost friends or their relationships have broken down or they're unable to work and it's it's upsetting of course but you're almost there for each other and you've got a connection that you just click with them over because of what's going you know what you're going through and I think that it's very very helpful because you then again it helps you not doubt yourself and think yeah. you're yeah. because you've got other people that you can say well you know Sarah's going through the same thing and Jess feels this on this day and she has to take Sunday off and that's mm. fine do you know what I mean you can just kind of break it down in your mind so that again it, it, it does help your mental health because you think, right, well, I'm not the alien here. That you know, there are others like me. Yeah, definitely. And I think like so we when we went to London in February, it was so yeah. nice. There were so I don't know how many of us there were, there were quite a few of us. Yeah. Um, but all from different yeah. all from different places, um, with different conditions, but it was just so nice because you can kind of just like it was so easy to have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, of course. And obviously we can all relate on a certain Mm. level but also I think what I love best is you learn so much about others as well and I think that's that's what makes kind of the conversation kind of exciting almost it's 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 hard because you don't want it to be so upsetting in the sense that it's all health-based but yeah we kind of do cross over into what we're doing in our own personal lives as well which again is, is nice to sort of get to know more about the person and how they deal with their health in real life as well yeah and I think like when we like spoke to each other in London it was kind of like a more empathetic like way of talking yeah. you know what I mean it's like we asked each other questions but it was kind of just more like oh I can relate to that bit or I, I didn't know about that bit or whatever but um yeah that was really good thank goodness it was before Lockdown. Well, oh, yeah, only like a month before. I know. <laughs> they would, that would definitely definitely work virtually. But yeah. No, so, no, definitely. One last thing is what three words would you describe? How would you describe your chronic illness or like your general health journey, if you like? Um <laughs> I think I would say complex is what how I would describe Lyme disease and how I'd probably describe my journey to be fair it's not been straightforward I can't often explain it to people because they just think I'm some sort of alien or going crazy so yeah I'd say it's very complex but I'm very very thankful for the opportunities that it's given me for the people that I've met like yourself so you know you've got to be 
you've got to be blessed as you've got mm. to feel blessed as well yeah so maybe complex blessed and I think it's just kind of made me a stronger person both mentally and physically Definitely. and I'm quite thankful for that because we we gain tools that not many people get to gain yeah yeah I always think that. so we're very very sense yeah definitely and then lastly what was your because I love a quote what was your favorite quote yeah so my favorite quote is I may lose at all but I'll win the war and on my bad days it's just the bomb of it you know I like that and it is very much like resilience as well just get back up and try again yeah yeah, definitely. I just some days when you just feel defeated, you just need to remember, nah, gonna bounce back. Yeah, exactly. I always think of the sun as well. Like the sun always rises. Then my mum's like, it's a you know, it's a bad day today, start off afresh tomorrow. And she's always right, you know. Yeah, the sun always rises. Mum's always I'll right. Always... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been really interesting. Oh. Um, thank you about- for having me. I've had a I've had a blast. Oh, pleasure! It's been really interesting about Lyme disease and also raising awareness of how much like physical health can impact on your mental health. I knew as soon as I was doing this topic, I was like, I've got the perfect person for this. Um, oh, yeah, and, like, people, people listening can listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. So, yeah, thank yeah. you very much.